Hey again, wellness folks. Welcome back to yet another week of Wishing You Wellness here on Spotify, Anchor, Apple Podcasts, CastBox, and hopefully by the time this episode is released, I will be on Google Podcast. but no promise on that one. I am still trying to figure out RSS feed and all the fun things. So I hope you guys are having an amazing week, whatever you've been up to. I am super, super excited. I'm kind of in a transition period right now in my life. Um, I work at this resort in Death Valley National Park, and it's been amazing. I live out here in the desert. There's all types of wildlife. There's so many beautiful mountains and badlands. And I, for the past 90 days, for the past three months, I was working um, in food and beverage. I was a banquet server. I was helping with the events, but I got approved for a transfer two weeks ago. And I started, what was it, last Friday I started? No, last Wednesday. I started on the gardening team. So now I am a gardener slash groundskeeper and I get to spend all of my time outside, which is awesome, awesome. I get to just feel the sun on my skin and the fresh air. And yes, I live in Death Valley. So in a few months, I will definitely probably have a different tone about being outside all the time. But for right now, it is like 75, 80 degrees during the day. And yeah, it's great because I get to spend my time mowing and watering the flowers and deadheading the flowers and helping stimulate growth. And it's really, really awesome. And I'm super excited for the change. I think that change is often a catalyst for a lot of really, really awesome things. I'm a firm believer in not letting myself you know, just fall into a rut. And so if I feel unhappy or I feel like I need a change, I'm always very quick to get going on that and put that into action, if you will. Because like I've always said, change is a very scary thing, but there is nothing in the world scarier than staying somewhere that you're not meant to be in that moment or in missing opportunities because you are so afraid of the change. So I always try to embrace change in any capacity that I'm able to. Today's episode is one that I'm super, super excited about because I had the idea for it a year ago, but I didn't have a podcast yet, so I didn't really know what to do with all of this information and all of these thoughts floating around in my head. Today's episode is going to be about self-discovery, but it's going to be a different spin, a different take on self-discovery. We're going to sort of dive into a different part of self-discovery on today's episode. Today, I'm going to touch just a little bit on my self-discovery journey and what that looked like. And I'm also really going to dive into the highs and the lows because I think something that's not really talked about in terms of self-discovery is the fact that self-discovery isn't always discovering good things about yourself. Yes, there are a lot of times where you're discovering your desires, your deepest desires, or you're discovering what you like and your hobbies and What brings you joy and fills your cup and just makes your soul sing? But that's not all that self-discovery is. Self-discovery is uncovering everything about you. Even the things that you maybe tried to hide from yourself or from the world. Your shadow self, it's called. I believe that prioritizing your self-discovery is one of the best things you can do for yourself in life because when you commit to getting to know yourself on the deepest level possible, you're committing to an awesome relationship with yourself. 
Think about this. When you meet someone awesome and you go on a date with them and you're getting to know them for the very first time, are you asking them questions or are you just sitting there? You're asking them questions. You're asking them what they like to do. You're asking them what makes them happy. You're asking them maybe what their fears are. You're asking them everything you can because you want to know as much as you can because when you know a lot about someone, you're able to make them happy. You're able to help with their needs, their desires. Let's give ourselves that energy. You know what I mean? Like, let's get to know ourselves in that capacity and on that level because the most important relationship you will have in your entire life is with yourself. And I know that's a given to a lot of people, but it wasn't for me. I didn't have this realization until I was 23 years old. So it's not always obvious to everybody. So all that said, I don't want to waste any time. Let's get straight into today's episode and dive into this, you guys. It's really funny because for a very, very long time, I told myself and I told everyone around me that while I was living in Europe, I did a very, very big portion of my self-discovery work when I was backpacking across these different countries and just spending a lot of time alone and being an independent solo traveler. I used to really tell people that is where my self-discovery journey started and where I finished it. And that is such a lie. That is such a bold-faced lie because when I was living in Europe, when I was living in Spain, I was 19. I turned 20. I was 19, 20 while I was living in Europe. I was young. And I'm not saying you can't have awesome progress with your self-discovery when you're 19 because you absolutely can. But... That wasn't really my priority. I sort of wanted to get to know other people and get to know the world, but I didn't really find out things about myself while I was over there. I didn't really explore my relationship with myself all that deeply. I've done a lot of travel, both within the U.S. and national parks and internationally in Asia and South America and Europe, and I did learn a lot about myself during those trips. I learned about how much I love to travel. I learned about what type of traveler I am. I learned about, you know, how I interact with others, how passionate I am about culture and meeting new people who walk different paths than me. But my self-discovery never went that deep while I was traveling around because it sort of seemed like that was the last of my worries, right? Like I was trying to enjoy the travels. I was trying to meet people and build friendships I was trying to improve my Spanish and pick up on other languages. I just had a lot going on and self-discovery and a relationship with myself, neither of those were really a priority at the time. My true and most authentic self-discovery journey actually began right in the middle of COVID, right in the middle of the pandemic because that was the peak of my addiction. And that was when I was really, really struggling. And it was before I had even considered getting help or going through recovery and rehab. So it was a very strange time for me to start discovering myself because there were a lot of uncomfortable truths I needed to bring into the light. And there were a lot of things that I had been hiding from myself 
or trying to mask that were tired of being masked and they were just all floating up to the surface and I couldn't ignore it anymore. I couldn't just keep turning my eyes away. It was time to start this journey for real. And so the first thing I did when I realized it was time to get to work on myself and to get to work on healing and identifying things that needed healed in myself, the very first thing I did was I bought a self-discovery journal. And I've talked about journaling and how important it is in my life in past episodes. I actually have several journals. I have my daily self-care journal that I write about what I did for myself physically, mentally, spiritually throughout the day. I have Unplug, which is my screen time journal. It's where I get in it every single morning and I write down just a bunch of little small things I can do that don't involve screens. So I can make sure that each day I am spending time away from my phone. I am spending time away from my laptop and I am just enjoying my real life because I work from my computer. I work from my phone sometimes, so it can be hard, but my Unplug journal helps a ton. Um, And then I also have my super attractor journal, which is great. It's got all these prompts and I journal on that too. But I decided to get a journal specifically for my self-discovery slash shadow work. Um, Shadow work, if you're unfamiliar, is doing work on the version of you that you hide from the world. Your ego, your son, whatever you'll call it, is what you present to the world and what you show everybody Picture shadow is the opposite. It's what you hide. It's your deepest, deepest self, really. If you are interested in some prompts for shadow journaling, um, for shadow work, just let me know. Send me a direct message on Instagram and I will happily send you over some of the prompts that I've been using because it is seriously a great place to start on your self-discovery journey because if you can sit down and figure out you know, where your head's at, it gives you a lot to move forward with. So if you've been wanting to discover more about yourself, journaling is a really great place to start and shadow work is a really, really great place to start. But there are all sorts of methods that can get you there. The biggest part of a self-discovery season in your life is prioritizing you and your thoughts and your needs And in order to do that, you need to figure out what your thoughts and your needs are, what your dreams are, what makes you tick. And that's where the journaling comes in and that's where the shadow work practices come in. One shadow work journal prompt that I really, really enjoyed doing and that really sparked um, this desire and this passion in myself for the change was this. The prompt was, what are some toxic traits in myself? Question mark. Do I ever point out these traits in other people? Question mark. Why do I do this? Question mark. What do I gain from projecting my toxic traits onto others? Question mark. And that's the question. And then you write your answer to that question. And then you sit there with it. And yeah, you just sit with it because this is going to be a powerful one. We spend a lot of time as humans cultivating these good things in ourselves, cultivating love and acceptance, cultivating healthy communication skills. But an uncomfortable truth is that each and every one of us has toxicity inside of us. Maybe it's very, very small, or maybe you struggle a lot with toxic traits. These things originate from all kinds of things. 
They can originate from how you grew up, what type of family situation you had, toxic relationships in the past, mental illnesses, mental health problems. The list goes on and on and on. I want to get super, super vulnerable with you guys because that is ultimately the entire point of my podcast is to be vulnerable so we can work through things together. But I just want to share with you guys a couple of things from the journal entry when I first did this prompt because I want you to have a little example of how you would answer this. And so this is what I wrote in response to the shadow work prompt I just shared with you. A few toxic traits that I've noticed in myself over the past few years are the blame game, refusal to accept responsibility for my actions, and constantly trying to find ways to be the victim, to be the victim to my situation, to be the victim of my relationship, to be the victim of a failed friendship, refusing to accept any personal responsibility for things that were happening to me. Another toxic trait I have is I cut people off when they're talking. I jump in. I get so excited to share what I have to share that I will cut people off when they're sharing, which is so not cool. I'm a poor listener. I've had to really do a lot of work to become a more active listener. Um, And then the third one is I do have some bad habits, especially in the past with battling my addiction to Xanax, with having a small social media addiction, it feels like most of the time, watching TV, yeah, bad habits. And so that's the first part of the question, identifying a few of the toxic traits. And then we go on to the next part. The next part of this activity and the next question is, do I ever project these toxic traits onto others? Am I quick to point these out in other people? And I took a look at mine and I went, yep, (laughs) I sure do. I, in the past, have looked at people and been like, what a victim. Like she just loves to be the victim. She is so committed to that life of being the one hurt, being the one that the perpetrators are perpetrating against. And then bad habits. It's, I've noticed I'm quick to be like, wow, he watches a lot of TV or, oh my gosh, I can't imagine smoking as many cigarettes as she does. Or the cutting people off one, the being a poor listener. I've caught myself in the past looking at people and being like, wow, she cuts people off a lot. And, you know, you sit here and you're listening to me do this activity. And it's probably very like, wow, of course, how did you not see these in yourself? But we don't really see these things until we sit down and give them time to be seen. It takes time to notice these things. And if you're always running around and filling your life with sound, and with trips, and with other people, you'll never make these discoveries, and you'll never be able to address the things. So during my shadow work prompt, I was able to uncover that I love being the victim, I do have bad habits, and I'm a really, really poor listener. That's just the surface of my shadow, but I was able to identify those things. I was able to recognize that I project them onto others. And then we're at the third part of the question, which is, Why? Why do I project these things onto others instead of just assuming responsibility? Shouldn't it be that simple? I think a lot of the reason we struggle with projection is because misery does love company. And if we're able to project the things we don't like about ourselves onto other people, maybe we feel less alone. Maybe we feel like, 
oh, if other people are toxic, if other people have bad habits, if other people are playing the victim, if other people are poor listeners, it makes it okay for me to do that, right? It's that crowd mentality, that mob mentality. If everyone else is doing it, why should I address that myself? Why should I stop? And the problem is when too many of us have this way of thinking, this mindset, then we're all just running around like letting our toxicity and our bad traits just run freaking willy freaking nilly, okay? But the reality is even if everybody else is refusing to address their toxicity, you still need to. You still need to. Because if you want to be a good partner, if you want to be a good friend, if you want to be a good sibling, a good employee, a good confidant, if you want to be all of these things, you have to address the parts of you that are preventing you from showing up as the best version of yourself. Those little toxic traits, they will keep you in a cycle of ruined relationships. Listen, I am a serial monogamist. I have had several, several partners since my college days. And I'll tell you something. Because of my unwillingness to admit my toxic traits in the past and because of my unwillingness to change, the universe taught me the same lesson three relationships in a row. I had three relationships end for the exact same reason. Well, not the exact same reason, but for pretty much the same reason. And that was because I kept refusing to learn the lesson. Instead of just learning, wow, I need to figure out how to communicate before I can be in a relationship. I have to figure out how to control my emotions and my moods. I struggle with bipolar disorder, so I really have to understand my mental illness and what it requires and what it takes for me to stay healthy so that I'm not constantly putting it on to someone else. And I'm not constantly leaving behind messes for other people to clean up. And so instead of learning that relation or learning that lesson the first time it ruined a relationship, I did that three more times. And then finally, at the end of that last relationship, my relationship before this one, I was like, huh, I should probably take some time to address this because it will keep ruining relationships and friendships as well. I can't tell you how many awesome friends I lost during high school and the first part of college, the middle part of college too, because I refused to admit that I had toxicity living inside of me, just like everybody else. It was so much easier for me to look around and go, they did me wrong. They hurt me. They lied to me. They abandoned me. They, 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 they. It was a blame game. It was an endless blame game. And something I've learned is that if you're willing to give up the blame game forever, you will feel so flipping empowered. When you give up the blame game, you step directly into your power. Because when you take responsibility for yourself, You're being honest with yourself. You're looking at what has happened and going, okay, how can I be better next time? But when you're not letting those things come to the surface, when you are just shoving down all of the things you do that aren't so great, all of the little small habits you picked up from your parents that maybe aren't their best habits, when you try to conceal all of that, you are only hurting yourself. 
Actually, that's not true. You are also hurting people around you. You're hurting your partners. You're hurting your friends. You're hurting people that you interact with on a daily basis because you are unhealed, because you are not being open and honest about the parts of you that still need some love and some tending to. When I identified a few toxic parts of myself, it kind of triggered this like floodgate reaction. Like I identified just a few little things that could use work in me. And then all of a sudden it felt like I had just been hit by this like rogue wave. This title, this wave just washed over me of things about myself that I'd been hiding. I had been so focused on the like, I don't know, on the good parts of me. And that makes it sound like I had self-confidence at the time, which I really didn't. I guess I was more focused on my ego and who I was showing to the world rather than who I truly was deep down. And my inner child, she needed so much healing and she needed so much love because I hadn't really explored a relationship with myself until I turned 22. I had never given myself the time of day to get to know myself and to find out what great traits I had, but also what bad traits I had and could work on and work toward improving. So self-discovery, why do we need to do it? We need to prioritize our self-discovery because it is seriously the root of everything for us. If we don't understand our needs, we can't meet them. If we don't understand what our hopes and dreams are, we don't know where to pour our energies so that they can manifest into reality. If we don't know what toxic traits we struggle with, We will run around, like I said, freaking willy-nilly, hurting people, confusing people, breaking their hearts because we just won't admit that there are things in us that need help and work just like everyone around us. It may feel better temporarily to blame other people for your shortcomings or your feelings or anything else, but that is a very temporary relief. And long-term, you are doing so much damage to yourself by refusing to take that responsibility and by refusing to discover those parts of yourself that need healed. And also, it's just really awesome to discover yourself. Like, let's talk about the positivity of that for a second. We've kind of gotten pretty deep into the, you know, toxic parts of us, but self-discovery is also a beautiful, magical, wonderful thing because we discover facets of ourselves that we didn't even know existed and things that we're capable of that we had no idea we were capable of. We may discover that we are a fantastic writer and we could seriously have a future in creative writing. We may discover that we're super patient and we're super empathetic and really good at listening and maybe one day we could become a therapist. It's all of these little micro discoveries we make about ourselves that help us figure out who we are, who we want to be, what's important to us, what sets our soul on fire, what doesn't. So that was a little bit on why we should prioritize self-discovery and getting to know ourselves. Now I'd like to talk just a little bit about how to do it. So earlier in the episode, I had mentioned journaling and journaling is an excellent way of getting to know ourselves, especially if you're able to commit to journaling every single day or even just a few times a week. But if you're regularly checking in, You're able to regularly update yourself on desires that have changed or needs or whatever that is. 
So journaling and shadow work are two ways that I think you could really start your self-discovery journey. Another thing you can do is taking yourself on you days, taking yourself on dates. Um, And this can be however you want it to be. This can look however feels right to you. For me, I like to kind of sit down and think what would make me happiest in this moment? What is no limits, no boundaries? What is my deepest guilty pleasure that I'm craving right now? What do I want to do today by myself? And so usually for me, it looks like driving into town. We're in the desert, so we're like an hour from the city, but driving into town, going to a Mexican restaurant, sitting by myself, reading a book while I eat my guac, ordering the guac and the queso because I deserve both. Yes, ma'am, I do. Yes, the hell I do. And then after I finish my lunch, I usually like to go to a few different shops. I like to go to the plant nursery so I can walk around and look at all the different baby plants and the little cactuses and all of the little living things because it brings me so much joy just to be around them. And then I'll usually go and put on my roller skates and just kind of skate around. And then I'll get a giant cone of shameless ice cream. And the point of this date that I'm taking myself on has nothing to do with the date itself. Like it's important to do things you love and enjoy because you deserve to treat yourself and to feel good. But the actual point of this is to identify what makes me happy without the opinions of others influencing it. Because when you hang out with your partner or when you hang out with your friends, it can be a good time and it often is a really great time, but you're not necessarily doing what you want to do. You're doing what you guys decided together, or maybe you're even just doing what your friends want to do or what your boyfriend wants to do that day. But you're not always doing exactly what you would be doing when you're collaborating with others because we're meeting in the middle, we're compromising, we're finding things everyone likes. But when you give yourself dedicated days to just you, you're giving yourself the freedom to discover what you really like, what you truly, truly care about without the opinions and the influences of other people around you. And yeah, it's a really empowering thing to spend time alone also because that gives your brain sort of like the the bandwidth, I'll say the bandwidth and the time and the space to sit and really process your feelings. I will say that all of my discoveries about my toxic traits, about the way that I have gaslit people in the past and the way that I have put people down and the way that I've gossiped, I have discovered those things about myself while I was alone. I didn't discover those things when I was out at the bar with my friends or on a great hike with my partner or with my family. No, I discovered those things about myself when I was sitting with myself. That's something that I want to resonate with you. Sitting with yourself, the idea of sitting, it doesn't even have to be sitting, you can be standing, but being away from everybody else and everything else and just being with yourself because that is when your most authentic thoughts will come to the top. That is when you'll be able to really look deeper into yourself and be vulnerable and honest and not feel that need to mask, mask, mask. I really wouldn't have made those discoveries about myself if I was constantly surrounded by other people. It took me stepping away and being alone for that to happen. So 
whether you are taking yourself on awesome dates so you can discover your interest and what makes you happy and what feels good to you, or if you're sitting in your room, you know, journaling and crying because you're working through your past and you're working through some trauma, either of those are freaking amazing ways to discover yourself and discover your broken because we all have a little bit of broken inside of us we are all so beautifully and wonderfully created and we are also all a little bit broken it's hard for us all to love ourselves sometimes nobody is just a self-confidence machine nobody rolls out of bed 365 days a year talking about how incredibly special and wonderful they are Maybe they do, and if they do, power to them, but I think I speak for a lot of us when I say there are bad days. There are good days, and there are bad days. So yeah, there's journaling, there's shadow work, there's taking yourself on dates, there is doing the work and sitting alone and, you know, really diving into that work on yourself. There are so many avenues to self-discovery, and those are just a few options. I think the most beautiful part of self-discovery is that it's not one size fits all. You can design your self-discovery journey and your self-discovery plan however feels good to you. Maybe your self-discovery journey involves taking a lot of walks alone and letting yourself just be alone with your thoughts and seeing what comes to the top. Maybe your self-discovery journey includes therapy, which is awesome. Therapy is a great way to dive into yourself when you don't know where to start. Because the therapist knows the questions to ask and how to kind of get the ball rolling. So if you really are interested in a self-discovery journey but have no idea where to start, a life coach, a therapist, those can be really great places to just begin. But the moral of the story here is a self-discovery mission is so worth having because when you're able to start this, when you're able to start addressing the toxic things in yourself, you're able to make the change. You really are. You're able to start working towards a better you and towards replacing those toxic traits with healthy ones, with healthy communication, with kindness, with patience. And I'm still just beginning my journey. I'm still, you know, I still have so long to go. I'm only 24, but I feel like I have come so far in the last year and a half, farther than I have ever gone I have become a healthier partner. I've become a way healthier friend. I have become healthier to myself and I've built a much better relationship with myself where I trust myself and where I love myself. Even though it takes effort a lot of the days, even though I have to put in work to love myself, I still love myself. And that is so much more than I could have said even just two years ago. That is growth. My growth has given me so many opportunities. It's given me the opportunity to be in a healthy relationship for the first time in my life. My partner and I are not perfect. I mean, no couple is, but we communicate in a healthy way. There's no yelling. There's no sly, sneaky, backhanded comments. I mean, we're forward and we're open with each other and we're patient. And when one of us needs space or needs some time to think, we give that to each other joyfully. We don't give it resentfully. We give each other space anytime it's needed because we know how important it is to be our own people. And we're still just a couple, you know, we're working on it. But I do think there's no way I ever could have been in such a healthy relationship had I not addressed 
these things within myself. And if I wasn't actively every single day still addressing them, my growth has also made me a healthier friend. I struggled a lot in college with codependency, with needing my friends, with putting too much of my weight on them. And now that I'm able to do my own work and carry my own shame and process my own trauma instead of trying to trauma bond with all my friends, I have healthy adult friendships where we bring so much to each other's life. We tell stories, we have fun, we share, we trust each other, but we aren't doing each other's work. And that's, that's what an unhealthy friendship is. It's when you're trying to do the work for each other instead of doing your own work and then coming together and celebrating and loving and laughing together. My growth has also led to a much better life in general. I feel better about myself. I trust myself and I love myself. Even though some days I have to work at it and I have to try really hard to love myself, I still do. I'm willing to put in that work. My career life, my jobs have gotten significantly better since I started healing my toxic traits because I'm not doing those things that I used to do that were hurting people around me and that were hurting myself. And I just think that deciding to get serious about my self-discovery was likely one of the best things I've ever done for myself because now I have such a stronger understanding of what I want and what I need and what makes me happy and what traits I have stomped out of myself that were toxic and what traits still need stomped out of myself that are toxic and what traits I have that are amazing and worth celebrating and singing to the world. I mean, all of the things self-discovery. And it's exciting because I'm really just getting started in the big picture of things on my self-discovery, so I really can't wait to see what other outcomes will be a result of my work and of my healing because, you know, I still do have such a long way to go. There are still things inside of me that need healed, and I will continue to uncover them every single day and work on them, but it's such a comforting and fantastic feeling to know that it does pay off because I'm already seeing it pay off. I'm already watching the relationships in my life become more healthy. I'm watching my job feel better and I feel like I'm doing a better job. I'm watching myself enjoy a relationship with myself, which we should all do. The only person you're going to spend your entire life with from birth to death is yourself. Think about that for a second because your parents likely won't outlive you your partner wasn't there at birth, you're the only person you're going to spend 80 plus years with. And so don't you think that relationship with yourself deserves time and deserves energy? Don't you think you should prioritize the person that you're going to spend by far the most hours of your time living on this planet with? Per usual, I want to thank you guys from the bottom of my heart for being here. It makes me so, so happy to see the follower count rising on Instagram, to see that almost 70 of you have subscribed on Spotify to the show. It makes me really freaking happy to be here with you guys and to be sharing this journey. I, like I said before, I have a list of shadow work journal prompts. So if this episode really resonated with you and you would like some of those, so you can begin there. Just shoot me a DM on Instagram and I'll get those over to you. The Instagram is in the bio of this episode. It's at 
wishyouwell.podcast. That's at wishyouwell.podcast on Instagram. Go ahead and send me a message if you need those and I'll get them over to you. Otherwise, just thanks again for being here, you guys. I'm super looking forward to my first duo episode. My first shared episode will actually be dropping in the next two weeks. I will be interviewing the lovely Shannon Snell. She's a life coach. She is basically the human version of sunshine. She is just pure sunshine, a joyful and sweet soul. So I cannot wait to share that episode with you guys when it's ready. But in the meantime, I hope you have the best week ever and thank you for tuning in. I'll see you next week. This has been Wishing You Wellness Podcast.